since Spaces is now a member of the Ministry of Retro Gaming. Yes, another Sega Gaming Podcast. Number 12. Since Spaces. G'day invaders, welcome to Since Spaces and this is, yes, another bloody gaming podcast and this is, uh, well, uh, yes, another Sega gaming podcast. This is to celebrate a year of podcasting here on the channel and I am looking at a pretty epic lineup for this one. <laughs> so um, I want to thank all the viewers for uh, watching the podcast over the last year and this is, I guess, my way of saying thank you to get these guys on the channel. Um, and I'll just uh, go through the, the guys that we've got. We've got Tim, a former Sega staff member from here at Sega Australia. Hello. We've got Hello. Lizzie the Hedgehog. <laughs> we've got hey. DJ Slope. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and we've also got Al Nilsson from Sega of America, or formerly of Sega of America, and yeah. also formerly of Intellivision. That was something I didn't do research into looking at that. Uh, I actually got an Intellivision buried away somewhere, and uh, when I was a kid, that was a, a pretty epic system to take on Atari at the time. I've got good memories of that one. Let's go play some frog bog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to go through the intro questions. Uh, these are three questions that I ask everyone that uh, are on the podcast for the first time. I'll start. Uh, we'll go through these real quickly because we've got a lot of questions to get through, and I'm trying to make this an hour. Uh, Tim, first question for you: What was the very first game you had and the console you play uh, you played it on? Uh, the first one I had was like a. It was one of those generic Hammonix things yes. where you had the cartridge on top and it just had pong on it. Um, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that shows you my age, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so that's what we had and, yeah, stepped up from that, obviously, to, well, my history with Sega. Yeah, that's my first one. And the second question, no pressure, gun to the head. Oh. Favourite game of all time? <laughs> Would you believe, would you believe, and, and it, I wouldn't say it was my favourite, but it was the one that blew my mind the way, uh, away the most, and it was Elite by, um, on the Commodore 64. Not familiar so with had, it. Yeah, so it had infinite universes, and you were like a space pirate to say, but it had 3D graphics, and that was the thing that was like, and it was... The, Biggest game at the time, I think, and it was made by BBC. So, do some research on it. Um, but it was so expansive. Um, you could play the game any way you wanted to be. You could be the goodest citizen, or you could just go out and shoot cops if you wanted to. <laughs> but, um, but, mate, um, yeah, that, that was the game that absolutely blew my mind away. And, yeah, holds holds um, good memories for me. Yeah. And what are you currently playing? Jeez. Oh, um. <laughs> any, anything really? I'm I'm really into um, the arcade games. So I've got a, a, a main cabinet. 
so which I'm jealous of. I'll get one day. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm part of this online competition uh, by Aussie Arcade. So we play against uh, other people around the world. Um, and oh, wow. people nominate games, and there's a plethora of old arcade games. Um, you find some real. Uh, real beauties in there so one, ones that you never heard of or you never even bothered looking for and so you sit there and you try try cracking the game try getting the high score for it so i look forward yeah. to challenging yeah, so, you when i get my main machine here one day it's going to happen yeah. i know the bloke is going to build it for me i just got to get it together um we'll move on to lizzie lizzie yeah. uh first game and the console that you played it on yeah I remember I got this generic Pong game that came oh. the TV. <laughs> Second and one. I, and I can't remember the name of it because it was a generic one. Yeah. It was like, it was like a, a big giant controller and you just choose a dial for tennis and two others, but the same thing, you know, the dot, 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 no matter what you did, but that was my very first one. Okay. And then eventually it became the NES. It okay. Uh, your favorite game of all time? Hmm. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> um. Which one though? Which one? Sonic Which, one. Which of the Mario's? Sonic one. Okay. I wonder why. <laughs> well, actually, now we say I wonder why. What was it that blew you away about that game when you first played it? When I was in, back in 1993, I had a brain tumor removed and to help me with recovery and help me with hand-eye coordination, it was actually the Sega Genesis controller I, I could actually grasp and hold. And the game that they had was Sonic 1. So my very first game was Sonic 1. <coughs> Kept me happy. Really helped me with recovery. That's so cool. That's cool. What are you currently playing at the moment though? Chante and the Pirates. Oh, yes. I love that. I love, that is such a cool series that it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and I really need to play those games. I've not played those games. You've not played? You should get on it. If you like Wonder Boy, if you like Wonder Boy and Munsterland, you, you're going to really dig um, the Shantae series. It's just <laughs> such a good series. Bit Castlevania-ish, like you've, you've got to track back and forth. or Met, Sorry, Metroid-ish. Mm -hmm. got to Metroid track back and forth. Yeah, but um, no, it's great graphic style. Uh, the music is just so memorable, and uh, it still sells on today. And it's one of the most expensive Game Boy Color games, um, which oh, yeah. that that goes for quite a penny because it came out at the end of the Game Boy Color's life cycle. Um, Dan, oh, still yes. slow. Um, yeah, so I actually don't know the answer to this one. Your first game and console and. The reason why I say I don't know the answer, I watch all your videos, but I can't recall you ever talking about this. No, no, no. I think I've brought it up a couple of times in random podcasts, but I don't think I've ever done a video on it. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, yes, it's actually not a console. It was a, a home computer, the Amstrad. So for anybody out there, the Amstrad CPC 464. So people that don't know that, that's uh, Alan Sugar, which is the, the British 
Donald Trump equivalent in The Apprentice when he was in The Apprentice. <laughs> he could have used a president. better example, but okay. Um, um, yeah, it was his computer. It was his home computer. And basically, um, there was a lot of shovelware on that. He just he, he was a guy that just said, I oh, would just make a game, just make a game. And uh, it was one of two games. It was either Bridget, where you start at the top and all your little men like lemmings make their way down to the, the end and there's holes and you have to push the buttons down to make the okay. bridge you know and have to get there. but it was so impossible for a kid to play pushing the right keys it was either that or a game called oh mummy which did get plenty of conversions i think there was even one on the mega drive actually and <coughs> so uh, yeah it was one of those two games the next one i think i know the answer to it but i'm just going to see if i'm right your favorite game yeah, of all on. time is what do you reckon it is sonic 2 so, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Oh, I that was close. Okay. Game. I knew it was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, one, the one that's playing in your background, actually. That is my Funnily all-time enough. favorite And game. it's on an authentic machine. That's not an emulator yeah. or anything. It's running yes. on the real McCoy. It's a weird... the, uh, is that the Japanese car I see there? It's a weird story. It won't run on the Mega Drive by itself. But if I put Sonic and Knuckles, it's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll let you play it. <laughs> ah, okay. But yeah, yeah. Sonic 3 and Knuckles, um, definitely my all-time favorite game. And Move what, me away. And I know you're a very busy man. I know what it's like to run a YouTube channel. Yours must be mm-hmm. so much more time-consuming than even mine is. <laughs> Pretty uh, cool. But do you get game time to play games? Because <laughs> uh, I, I do. I, I do thanks to the Switch. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the thing I play on the, the most. I'm, I'm normally just sitting in my car, uh, not while driving <laughs> on my lunch no. break, <laughs> playing on this. Um, I've just a- finished Sonic Mania with all five characters. Um, so I've literally just this second finished that, but I'll do a little shout out actually because the game I've literally just started playing today is a game game called I don't even know if it's out yet called Fox and Fox and Forests, um, oh, wow. little indie game for the um, for the Switch. I've literally started. I've only played about an hour of it, but I'm quite enjoying it. Um, is that a Zelda type one that I think I've seen being talked about? Oh no, no I don't it's know. different. I don't know. It's, it's not coming out on a physical release. This is actually the the soundtrack with a co- with a code in and and some bumper stickers. Check this out. Man, you uh, get all the cool stuff. This <laughs> <laughs> is the first time an indie guy has ever gone to the level of sending this sort of thing to me, but I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's like a Wonderboy game. That's quite good fun. Okay, and um, all right, so we'll move on to our now. Um, what was your first console? Or are you are you giving it away with the hat? <laughs> no, no, it actually goes back before that. It was a private label version of an Atari game, uh, which was sold by Sears, which included Pong and Breakout and Circus Atari. And I actually like playing Circus Atari. That was uh, the one that I had the most fun with. I love Breakout. And there's such a cool story behind that than the way that got put together with Steve Jobs. Uh, you can look that up uh, if you're watching this podcast and don't know about it. I feel it. left out being the only one that's not chosen Pong so far. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Nolan was here, you know, I'm sure Nolan would go and play Pong. Well, I've never actually had anyone select Pong as their first console, and now I've got like a, a trifecta on this one podcast, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, and I had Super Breakout 2 in there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now with color. Um, now, what was and your... My, my first console was the VCS. Yes. My first experience with the console was trying to play a Fairchild Channel F 
in a yep. department store that had this beautiful display. Right. And there was just no way that you could play the game because I think half of it was broken and everything like that. So it's like, I don't want that. Uh, so I ended up with the Atari BTS. I saw a Fairchild for sale in Japan. I won't tell you the price because it's very rude. <laughs> it was so expensive, but it was in box. And that was only last year I saw that. So they're, they're getting to be really uh, hard to find in the wild. Mm -hmm. uh, in your favorite game of all time, I, I'm hazarding a guess that uh, uh, we might be uh, talking about it during this podcast, but I could be wrong. <laughs> what do you think? Sonic 2. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yay. My favorite is Tom Kalinske's favorite. Uh, and probably um, you know, a lot of other people would say is America's favorite. I had my best experiences with that game, but um, I feel like a betrayer here and a trailer. That I didn't actually pick it as my top game of all time, but it was very close. <laughs> yeah, it's a close one for me. I mean, I think that game is possibly like the game that changed me the most, Sonic 2. Like, before, wow. I, I didn't want to touch anything that wasn't a home computer, like my Amstrads mm. and stuff like that beforehand. But then when that Mega Drive landed under my Christmas tree and I had Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Streets of Rage. And oh, Fantasia. wow, you had it all in the one hit. Okay. Oh, um, uh, Sonic 2, I, man, like that. I think the Sonic game that had the biggest impact on me was when I was in Japan and I saw the first in-development version of Sonic. Yeah. on a dev system that Naka and everyone was working on. And there was no background, it was just a wireframe, and there was this character just racing through, and it was like, wow. Ooh. And then they took me over to another dev system where I saw, um, in progress, the development of Green Hill Zone. Wow. like, okay, <laughs> you can go together and you're still gonna get that speed, and. It was, you know, Naka said can, absolutely. Can you help clear something up that's been bothering me? That's um, and Tim, you might even be able to uh, chime in on this. Mm. I recall rumors uh, of uh, Sonic having the um, apple running running down a hill, outrunning an apple, which later got taken out of oh, Sonic yeah. and put that in like Castle of Illusion and put into Castle of Illusion. But I I believe right. that that was originally meant for Sonic. So, our can you? recall I, that I've, I've, I've never heard that so no that's, tim I've have never you heard it i never saw it in any dev <laughs> versions that we had but that doesn't mean it didn't happen tim can mm. you recall hearing about that as well yeah I, I, I remember the conversations that we used to have at the hotline about it but yeah yeah you hear a lot of things out there <laughs> you know this yeah. this was supposed to happen and that was supposed to happen and yeah, but that's that's the beauty of video gaming, isn't it? You know, you I'm pretty sure that that's not just a rumor. I, I I mean, we can't back it up uh, at this point. Yeah, but the, I... uh, the Lara Croft Nucci thing all over again, is it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there'll be so many teenagers trying to uh, find that cheat code to get an apple running down a hill as there would be for the Lara Croft one. Um, yeah. I, know, I would go crazy with it now, I believe. That, <laughs> that, that Lara Croft cheat just makes for such good, you know, banter and talk later in YouTube videos. <laughs> um, I remember reading in a, in a magazine that what you had to do is you had to sidestep Lara Croft to the beat of Wannabe by the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and so unlock it to like, you want to be my lover. <laughs> and it was just like yeah um it didn't so work, 
I'm going to go through some questions. Uh, I've made up some questions here specifically for each one of you. I only answer two of three. Sorry? Oh, what are you... Sorry? <laughs> he only answered two of three. I only answered two questions of three. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I always do this. What, what, what are you? Sorry. What are you currently I playing? Sorry, I always do this. I'm a bad host. I was playing the beta of the new Toe Jam and Earl game, oh, which is get really great. And does it hold uh, out to the um, to the classic? Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And uh, next week, hopefully, I'll start playing this thing. Ah. Uh, and so I just kind of have time to do that, Jeff. So sorry about that now. <laughs> <laughs> not to, not to, to, to bring anything, but I, I don't believe you asked Lizzie what she's currently playing either. Did I? You did. I did. Shante. Yeah, she showed up. Oh, well, I, I, I wasn't Shante. listening. Shante. Shante. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> enough making the host look bad. Let's get on with it. Um, <laughs> so I've got questions here tailored for each one of you, and I'm going to start with Tim. Uh, what was your uh, special memory of working on the hotline? Is there anything in particular that you can recall that just makes you kind of wish you could go back to those days? Ah, oh, jeez. What was it? I, I think the the special memory about it was just when it, working for Sega. I mean, it, I don't know how to put it into words because Sega was so big in Australia um, and you used to, you know, you, you tell some people what you used to do, even back, uh, or what you did, even back then, they go, what, you, you do that? You play video games? But you see, the, the, the special memories would also include like um, getting to see video games still in their wrong form yes. um like i have fond memories of street fighter 2 i do can <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that another time yes about we will Friday, <laughs> um but you, you see some of the most exclusive things and it's just and and, and then you'd see kids playing these video games <laughs> and and you know that you're a part of it <clears throat> um it's incredible. It's, it? Yeah, it was just it was just mind blowing. Um, and then, look, I come from a small country town in northeast Victoria, and Sydney was quite a far, far way away from me. It was my first job, actually. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Brian said earlier to me, you know, you probably peaked too early. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I have, <laughs> um, but. There were so many good memories there, like, um, you know, as I'm saying, the video games, we used to go out to functions and that, meeting up with um, uh, the Sydney Kings basketball team. We'd have celebrities come into the office and we'd see them. Um, it was just such a, I have to say, it was the most bizarrest first job that anyone could ever possibly have and still get paid well. And the other great thing about it, like, I love the job so much. I, I was only paid as a casual. I was only asked to come in three days a week. I came in every freaking day because I love my job so much. Yeah. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like my connection to video games is similar to like Lizzie's. Like, I, when I was um, growing up, I had a lot of problems. I got type 1 diabetes and a lot of my time, 
I was in hospital. Um, so I could only either read books or play video games. And, and that's where my connection came. And um, I, got on, I got onto video games through a pen pal who worked for Seagull of America. Now, um, oh, wow. I, don't, I don't know if you know this person, but does the name Judy Jett ring a bell? Oh, Judy, uh, Judy Jette, yeah. Yeah, Jette. Wow. <laughs> Judy well, Absolutely. just down here, I've got, like back then, people just can't comprehend that there was no such thing as the internet. So we used to write down letters to each other. What are you doing? And we'd send things to each other. And one day she sent me all the cheat codes for all the games for Sega. <laughs> wow. And, every, and that helped me get the job at Sega because mm -hmm. so many games that had not been released and because of the, the distance and communication problems and that, it was so hard for Sega or Ultisoft to get their hands on these cheat codes. So in a sense, I sort of expanded the Sega Aussie hotline with mm -hmm. their database of cheats because I had this huge freaking box of them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So that, that's, yeah, but it was just... Did you say all that in your interview when you went for the Sega hotline thing? Because I would have hired you straight up. <laughs> well, basically I sent the box through. Right, right. Me, and I got a job interview um, and look, it wasn't easy getting up to, to Sydney because back in the 90s, it cost so freaking much. But Greyhound? Came, Did you do Greyhound or...? No, no, <laughs> went by plane, went by plane. Uh, went from Albury Airport and went to Sydney. And wow. Crossed the flow and thanks to mum and dad, but yeah. Um, wow, you got to chase your dreams, and that's a great and, example. And, and that's it, and that's what I do today. Like, I, I, I teach um, uh, long term unemployed, and I always tell them uh, always, you know, if you're good at something, chase that. I was good at video games, so yeah. like, man, landed the perfect job, and I'm forever grateful for it. Yeah. So, Lizzie, um, Real simple question for you, and I don't know if you're going to be prepared to answer. We'll see. Why? Oh, okay. Why Sega? Why they pick Sega? Yeah. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> like I said, my my first <laughs> my first was Nintendo. <laughs> Sega was actually <laughs> Sega. <laughs> but. <laughs> You made the right choice. You, you made the right choice eventually. You know, if, if you realize that Genesis does what Nintendo don't, exactly. The Genesis did what Nintendo don't. They helped me recover faster. They helped mm -hmm. me hold a controller. I learned to do things quicker. And through Sonic, I started to copycat Sonic because I was in Sonic Run. And since I just had my brain tumor surgery, you know, um, She's doing it I had now. to get up and do everything over again. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do everything over again. So when I saw Sonic running, and you know, through like the old TV shows and the comics, I kind of wanted to do what Sonic did. So when Sonic ate chili dogs, I wanted to try chili dogs too. When I saw Sonic running, I wanted to get up, walk, and run. And I wanted to beat Sonic 1. I wanted to beat Sonic 2. I remember in the old Nintendo magazines, there was a boy who said that he beat the whole game and he played Hidden Palazzo. 
I could never get <laughs> hidden palette zone. I used, I was determined to get every ring. I would get perfect bonuses on every level, perfect bonuses in the state, you know, in special stages, everything perfect. I thought if you got perfect on everything, it would unlock. Never happened. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never did. So I, so I, I, and I stayed with, with Sega because, you know, eventually Battletoads came and I loved Battletoads on the NES. So when I saw Battletoads on Sega, I was happy. Mm. I had the Lion King. I had yes. all these wonderful games, but you know, mostly, mostly Sonic. I mean, I hate Sonic 3D Blast, but I love everything prior. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of, I, I mentioned it in, uh, I think a review that I did for Sonic Mania, just the last review I did, where I, I said that Sonic Mania Plus was kind of like what Sega could have put out if they had have stuck with the 2D format of Sonic. Yeah. And the Saturn never got a 2D platformer from Sonic, and I, I'm thinking this would have been the game that they would have released on that system, I think. As much as it would have been, I don't know if it would have been the saviour for the Sega Saturn. No, I don't think so. But it would have kept. It would have made a lot of people happy, though. There was a, and yeah, yeah, and, and it to would be honest, the most expensive my, game ever. Yeah, and I, I think my other thing was that because of my disability, once once Sonic became the 3D games, it became very difficult for me to play, and I had to like like sit back and just stay with the 2D games because mm. that was hard. And then like the controllers were changing too much and. Then the, the consoles were getting too expensive, and where I live in the suburbs at the time, we couldn't find the newer consoles, you know, the Dreamcast, the Saturn. I couldn't find any of those. So I so I stuck with my Sega Genesis and the Genesis 2. That's usually what I played. I was very heartbroken that I could never find the other consoles. But, you know, I, I was happy with the Genesis, and then, you know, eventually I got, you know, depressed and heartbroken because when I found out what happened, it was kind of like, well, that sucks. And then here comes Xbox, here comes PlayStation, but I didn't touch them for a long time. When the when the Wii came out and you could get them, get the old games on, virtual on console. virtual console, yep. I was very happy. And then I saw Mario and Sonic, Olympic games, I was so happy. And then when they finally <laughs> released your me, well, your me, you, you, you can make yourself in the game. Oh. Yeah. I was happy. I was playing Rio Olympics and Winter Olympics. So happy with Sonic. I was. It was like a dream come true. For me. Uh, so, DJ Slope, I've got one question for you. Go for it, man. Was there ever, um, was there ever a hate for Nintendo when you were a kid? Did you ever hate Nintendo? <laughs> I didn't know Nintendo, in all honesty. <laughs> I didn't really know what Nintendo was. So basically, right, so check this out. So I grew up... What a um, great childhood. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the only time, so there, there was, I can only really think of two times where, about two times roughly, when, when the Nintendo was a little bit in my life. Um, so basically, except for Mario on the telly and then the cartoon shows and stuff. But I remember um, there was this kid, and he said, "Oh, do you want to come around?" I, 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 he was so he was such a new kid on the block. I don't even I didn't even know his name then. He's like, "Do you want to come in and play this game?" And he showed me Mario, um, not Super Mario Brothers, like the 2D Mario Brothers game. Um, uh, you know where it's the you know you, just the, the plain screen Mario game. Yeah, Mario and, Brothers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And uh, this is quite cool. And then I went around there the next day and went, oh, is your son in? Because I didn't know his name. And they're like, oh, he's moved. 
they've moved. Like they moved the next day or whenever it was, uh, two days later when I went around it. So I never saw him again. So that happened. Um, <laughs> and one time I went around my friend's house and their dad had an NES. Um, but by this point I already had, I was well into my Mega Drive. Um, and I played a little bit of Terminator on the, on the NES and I'm like, this ain't that good. And that's my, that's my only memory of Nintendo. Completely. Wow. <laughs> completely. Um, uh, I, I, went to a, I went to a school with 70 kids in the entire school. The year above what? me had two children in it. Um, uh, the whole year had two kids in it. Um, and everyone had Mega Drives. And, and I remember I, I was always good with my money. I always saved my, um, uh, my my pocket money. And I would come in and I would show the manual because I would never swap my games. I would never lend out my games or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I would bring in the manual to the new Sonic and Knuckles game or Micro Machines <laughs> or whatever else it may be. And everyone would go, oh, my God, you've got Micro Machines. And then some other kid would bring in their Tasmania. And I went, oh, you got Taz? You know, like, we'd all, yeah, so we all had Mega Drives, like, in this small little community of, like, five or six kids. Because, like I said, it was only, like, 70-odd in the school. But we just had Mega Drives, and that was it. I think there was one kid that had a PC, and we all got quite blown away by Doom, seeing Doom. Um, but, um, yeah, it was all Mega Drive, all Mega Drive. So to change things up a bit, though, um, we'll switch over back to the States. It was totally different in the States. Uh, yeah, Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo had, what was it, 95% share? Um, and it was brutal the way they were marketing. And I, I use the term marketing, but it was bully boy. Holding the rights, wasn't it? Bullying. Bullying. The, 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 the stuff they were getting away with was intense. Um, and then Al Nielsen. And then Al Nielsen comes along. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, but people must have approached you and said, Al, are you sure you want to do this? You must have rocks in your head to work for a company. That, who's Sega? Like, who are they? That, did anyone ever come up to you and, and question why you're working for those guys? They're, they're no one. No, no. I, it, uh, <laughs> no, I, I really don't think so. It's, uh, yeah, it's because I, I was, you know, we've got this new system coming out and ah. it's going to blow your mind and um, they, you know, my friends you know, knew that I was going to go make the best. So, um, so prior to that, prior to that, uh, when it was the eight-bit era, uh, Tonka, I believe, were distributors of the That's Sega correct. products in America, and <clears throat> it was kind of like the equivalent of here in Australia, Mattel were the distributors of Nintendo, and both correct. didn't get video games. They didn't understand how you were to not only market but distribute more importantly uh how to get that mar uh, product out into the marketplace um whereas here in australia we had uh, a company that was distributing commodore distributing <coughs> amiga so they had their distributing line set all they had to do was just slot sega in and bang off she went mm -hmm. and they were able to uh dominate the market as a result so well it's a different business than the toy business it's totally. the margins are very different the investment that you need to go in and be able to do is different. And they also launched post-NES, as opposed to a lot of the rest of the world where the master system came out before the NES. Uh, and so uh, they had to play catch a ball. Um, and so that, that was a problem. There were, there were many things going against it. And part of the reason why Sega of America 
took um, over the 16-bit, or it took over Genesis, was Sega Japan wanted to control their own destiny. And they couldn't do that with Tonka. But then, you know, they were also talking, they, before they made that decision, they, there were lots of talks with Atari. And having yes. Atari potentially uh, do the genesis in the U.S. Um, so that was there. But then simultaneously, there were talks of, okay, we're going to staff up Sega of America and have them do it. And then there were talks about, well, maybe Atari will uh, license the links to us, so, which never <laughs> happened. Uh, but can you imagine us going into CES in June 1989? with not just Genesis, but also, you know, the Sega one. Uh, that would have been a great one-two punch, but Genesis was enough. Because the story with the Lynx is uh, they first approached, um, of all people, Nintendo. And Nintendo were, unbeknown to the developers of the Lynx, they were already in the middle of developing the Game Boy. And... Yeah. That was and that was the very first time that a Westerner, I believe, would have laid eyes on the Game Boy because the the uh, the story goes that Nintendo came out with a box and they opened up the box and there was a prototype of a Game Boy and they said we've already got something in the plans, go away. Um, <laughs> we just like that that's, as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting because Nintendo is just so secretive and as was Sega. Uh, that, that's an interesting thing that they would do that. But, okay. Yeah, yeah um, great story. Oh, well, um, okay, so that was not the uh, response that I was expecting. I thought you would have been told you're a madman. What are you doing working with Sega? <laughs> oh, that was well, no, we, we, Okay. okay. Well, uh, what you did there, you, um, you, really, you, re you really helped push such a... So much competition. Mm. It's, it's one of the greatest stories in, in, in console gaming ever. Mm -hmm. That you, you and obviously Tom and a couple of others, I'm mean, probably quite a few others helped. I've got a question. Who, who do you want to? If, if, if that makes it to a movie, if you if that makes it to a movie, Al, if that makes it to a movie, who do you want to play you? I don't answer that question. Do you know who's playing you? Uh, no, and but uh, that, that even if I knew, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But no, I don't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. It, all of us, you know, who are who are in the book, we we that's one thing that we really don't talk about except to each other, because uh, we don't want to influence in either a good or a bad way. Okay, uh, no, that's fair enough. Let it play its own course. That's pretty cool. By the way, be, before we go on, I want to tip my hat, and I'll we'll just take it off, and to the hotline people, or as they were the game counselors, because at SOA, the game counselors were a very important part of our business, and not just for, you know, talking to the consumers out there. Every week, I try to go and sit down with them and spend an hour, and I bring my team with me, because I was getting feedback from what the consumers were saying. And so, you know, there was no internet, uh, you know, as you were talking about, you know, the conversations with Judy Jute and having to go, you know, mail things back and forth. This talking with the game counselors was a way to get instant feedback. Mm, and yeah. we also sometimes would go and say, you know, 
why don't you go and ask them this? And just, you know, it was it was something interesting about a game that was coming out. And I, and I didn't tell the game counselors what it was, just to see what kind of feedback there was. So it was a, a very important part of it. And, uh, you know, just a great group of people. And I'm happy to, you know, I'll put it in the hat on. <laughs> That's <Hey>. better. <laughs> oh, man. I remember when I was younger, I used to call the hotline, the one here in America, all the time. Yep. I'd be so happy because you, you would hear Sega, and then you could press this button, press this button, and you could talk to someone live. I would be so happy. And then when the phone bill would come, my dad would be like, you call Sega <laughs> You call Sega again? I go, yes. He goes, why'd you call him at 3 in the morning? I go, I just called just to hear Sega. And he's like, sorry, there's no one available. <laughs> Well, there you go. If anyone's watching this, uh, leave a comment down below if you ever called up a Sega hotline uh, or Nintendo hotline if you were that way, in, you know, inclined. Yeah. We we used to prank the Nintendo hotline. I don't know about you, Tim, but I know I did. Yes, <laughs> now you do. Now I can talk about the Nintendo hotline because. We did, well, we did the, um, the Sega versus, uh, the Mall Store with Sonic versus Mario. Yeah. Uh, and our first stop happened to be in Seattle. We were about five miles from Nintendo's headquarters. <laughs> and oh. the game counselors from Nintendo would come. They had these really great leather jackets. I have to go and say, they were great. And they said, Nintendo game counselor on the back. And they came in, you know, thinking that they were going to go and disrupt the thing and by walking into our exhibit and people would want to start talking about them. All the people who were there were ignoring them and just playing uh, Genesis and Sonic and voting in Sonic versus Mario. Wow. Uh, so uh, it's there. We, yeah. we weren't anywhere near as professional as what America were. Um, and I'm sure Tim can back me up on oh, that. Yeah, that's, that's a serious uh, apology move, that is. Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't professional, no. Anything no. But. <laughs> we, and, and the reason why I say that is because there is a video going around about uh, the day in the life of a uh, Sega hotliner in America. And it's a documentary, and it goes for about half an hour. And I watched that, and I, my my jaw was on the ground with the difference. You, they had um, clock in, clock out. We didn't have any of that. They had um, uh, set folders that were given to them. They had set tasks. We we just kind of did what we felt needed to be done. We didn't have any real guidance. I think in hindsight. Yeah, but that was also back in in the day with. Australian working culture, like the whole clock in, clock out thing wasn't uh, not, I don't think it was that strong back then. No. It was having its, it was sort of starting. Yeah, just turn uh, up on time. That was pretty yeah. much all we well, asked. labor yeah. laws are a little strict. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, 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 I turned up every day to work. <laughs> you know, Tega, when I first joined it was, you know, we had a VP of sales, we had a, a, a acting president, we have a controller, and we had a small repair shop for Sega Master System, and then we had 15 game counselors. So Sega America back in, you know, early 89 was only about 20 people, and the game counselors were in this one room and, and you know, just doing it, and then we, as 
we kept getting bigger. Uh, they kept getting bigger and better. There's one particular moment in Sega of America's history that uh, fascinates me, and that is the moment that it got announced that you had 51% share. That was a big, big deal. And the story that I've heard was that you guys were organizing a big barbecue or, or cookout or something like that to celebrate it. That that would have been massive if that happened. It, yeah. uh, we did a lot of celebrating for that. <laughs> it was actually, I, I don't know if we had a celebration for that specifically. Uh, I know we had an internal celebration when the, you know, the first numbers started coming in yeah. from outside groups telling us what was there. Um, and, you know, and, and the big time was when we came back from after 1992, uh, Christmas 92, um, and then saw what, what the numbers were, which was phenomenal. I, I think the most interesting time around numbers was the um, week after Sonic Tuesday. Uh, most of us were in New York for the launch of Sonic 2, uh, Sonic 2 on Sonic Tuesday. And then we went off for Thanksgiving holiday, uh, dispersed around the country, and then we got back to um, Sega of America the following Monday. And we're just waiting for the first numbers. And our head of sales is, you know, Calling all of his salespeople, saying, you know, what did Toys R Us sell? What did, you know, uh, Sears sell? And, and getting numbers in and trying all this because we didn't know was Sonic 2 going to be as big as it as we thought it would be and as we had planned it to be. Uh, and and that, was the, that was kind of the nail uh, biting time because we had spent nine months uh, leading up to Sonic Tuesday. Um, and then once we did the launch, it was no longer under our control. It was would the consumer buy it or not? And they did. We we must have just uh, been more confident with it because the moment that I heard about Sonic 2 and, and the promos that were going behind it, um, we were even reporting in our Megazone magazine uh, rumors that were circulating about what was going to be in the game. Time travel got mentioned, which ended up not happening in the game, but we just had total confidence that... Oh, we, we had total confidence in it, but this was going to be our, our, this was going to be our first million-selling game oh, okay. and going on to be a two-million-selling game. And we were spending tons of money, but more importantly is that it's not just selling the cartridge, is what, because the big thing is, would the cartridges sell Genesis system? Okay. Because the software drives the hardware. Okay. And Sonic 2 was the key to our beating Nintendo. And that was the key to getting the 65% market share uh, was Sonic 2 as well as a bunch of our other titles for the year. Um, but Sonic 2 was the big part of it. And that is what we needed to know. Were people not just buying the cartridge, but were they buying Genesis system? Because we, we needed the Genesis system to go and um, you know put the guy who's number one out of um, you know out of sight and put us in one spot um, and and luckily it happened 
but yeah, we, we, we you just hope that everything that you're doing is, is going to go and lead up to that. Um, you know, it's the strange thing is, is after we did the, the launch and at a Toys R Us in, in New York City, you know, we all went and said goodbye to each other and we, you know, went out there and all of the work that we had been going crazy about, you know, working long hours to make it work, you know, nothing else that we could do could, it, you know, uh, could decide whether it was going to work or not. And so we were just hoping. And then the very tense moment, I bet, yeah. And it wasn't Genesis Systems. It wasn't just Sonic 2, but it was also Genesis Systems. Um, and, and that was the big thing, because that's, that's what made the difference between... Um, us being number two and, uh, you know, being the number one. Uh, you know, these days in business, they talk about disruptive companies and, and, you know, disrupting industry. And we really disrupted the industry. We took somebody who had 95% market share and, and became the leader uh, in three years. Uh, so, just, it's just incredible. Ca- coming from an Australian point of view, it's just so strange to hear it polarized, the totally opposite. Mm-hmm. We were totally dominating it here in mm-hmm. Australia. Yeah. Um, but Sonic 2 was a huge, huge event. I've, I've actually still got my cartridge, and this is wow. before the mm-hmm. artwork was available. And the reason why it's a bit beaten up is because I used to take this onto the road shows and show people Sonic 2 mm-hmm. at the road shows. So, um, wow, and wow. It, it's only got the Sonic 2 logo, the back to front, I can see it's showing up as back to front to you guys. But um, yeah, this was given to us at the hotline. Tim didn't get a copy though. No. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, there. but oh my God, that's so bad. That's so sad that you didn't get a copy. I don't know what happened there. You're saying about like that, that, that change from moving from, from Nintendo 95% down to what, like 49% or whatever it was, and, and Sega becoming that dom- dominant force. I mean, they were already, like you say, over in, in, in Australia, really big with the Master System stuff, and over in the UK. You know, it was, it was Master System was big in the UK. Master System was big in Brazil. Master System was big in Australia. Still is yeah. big in Brazil. Uh, and, it is still and, big in Brazil. And, <laughs> you know? And... It wasn't in the U.S. and it, it wasn't in Japan. Uh, yeah, that's true. Not entirely. No, not entirely true. The masses. Really? No, the SC. The SG one thousand came out on the same day as the Famicom. Sure. And then they sure. later revised it to yeah. the Mark III later, which is what the Master System is. But I'm thinking like that 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 important moment, you know, from from taking Sega from the underdog to like this this incredible company with so much attitude, and everyone's like, oh my god, the new kid on the block, that cool retro Sega feel, you know, well not then, but you know, retro Sega feel that we look back on now. It possibly without that that just that year or so of just pushing, they may not, you know, the, the Sega we all love today. It is, it, I think it's all because, uh, I, I, and the, the vast majority is because of that that push to make them the you know the dominant force it, in America, and that's really where it matters. I think. You know. it, it, well, it, it, you know, it, it, I think it was definitely that. It also when it provided uh, a, a lot of revenue to Sega Japan, so therefore they could go and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know expand and do things like that. So we were, you know, we were. We were the biggest contributor uh, to the Sega business back then. Um, so, but 
Yeah, it, it, was, it was incredible trying to go and do that. Mm. But then on Sonic 2, Sonic 2 was the first global launch on yes. Sonic Tuesday. Hats off and, to you because that was yeah, such an epic um, achievement mm. to do that. You know, it, it, it really was. And uh, Madeline Schroeder, my product manager on Sonic, and I presented our plan for Sonic Tuesday to everyone. And then, and here's and this global launch. And, you know, we didn't know if we would fly. And so um, after the meeting, Tom Zelensky, our, our president, went and called Nick Alexander, who was head of Sega Europe. And they were immediately on board. That night, Shinobu Toyota called Mr. Maikiyama, the head of Sega Japan, or head of Sega. And Sega was on board and said, you know, we'll get the rest of the world on board with it. And, and that was just amazing uh, to be able to go and do that because uh, it became a juggernaut. Um, and then the, you know, and then the great, and then the great advertising. Now we're, we're still, uh, we still pinch ourselves, you know, <laughs> when people start talking about Genesis does what Nintendo don't, or welcomes to the next level, or the um, uh, great ad like the uh, um, the Streets of Rage, the launch ads, and all of those. Uh, they were just, they were really talking to people. And they were only 15 second ads, which was the, which was also the interesting thing about it. Uh, just quick enough to get in your head. That was it. Just quick enough to, to just plant the seed. Yeah. Well, what was actually interesting was we had done research, uh, and I'm sorry to get into business stuff. And we found that a 15-second commercial had 80% of the takeaway of the 30-second commercial. And so that, that was great. And 15-second commercials were half the price. Um, and so we were able to earn twice as many commercials for the same dollar. Uh, and you have to remember, for every dollar of marketing I had, Nintendo had them. But that, that advertising campaign you did with uh, Genesis does what Nintendo don't, that, that was just <laughs> so, just a stroke of genius. Like yeah. here in Australia, we we looked at American marketing as a little cheesy for the most part, but that particular ad just hit the nail. It was just like yeah. a perfect commercial compared yeah, well, to what I didn't know anything about that until like after it, you know, it happened. You know, after the internet, really, because we didn't have anything like that. Oh no, I I recall it because we were getting magazines and it was the print version that we were seeing, and we sure, saw sure. how effective this big black page with big dominant Genesis it was just so in your face it was um, nice picture of Michael Jackson underneath as well <laughs> yeah yeah and then well, and, you know how, how do you think we felt when we first saw okay so yeah but here in Australia we had um, uh, good advertising campaigns but mm. there was no one or two ads that really stood out it was uh, for the most part just consistent good commercials and just mm -hmm. kept Advertising, you know, and, and also they were advertising in areas that you wouldn't normally think about today. They were actually advertising within the rental tapes for the rental market, yeah. which I don't know if they were doing that overseas or not, but um, that, that was a big thing here that they were advertising to the um, to the rental, uh, video rental. That's something you don't talk about much anymore, is it? <laughs> I gotta ask. Yes. Did they ever put them in those dirty magazines? <laughs> 
No, but... Hey, could you imagine? Hey, Daddy, while you're reading this, why don't you get your kid a Master System? No, no, there was a British there was a British ad campaign that was on along those lines with FHM yeah, yeah. and Viz, Viz Comics. Some of those commercials, I, I couldn't put them on uh, the, the print commercials. Yeah. I couldn't air them here because they were just so out there we're really talking about the um uh, the harder it gets yeah yeah that's the one that's the lot i'm talking about but but having said that nintendo weren't shy of doing that as well they had one or two advertising campaigns that were doing the rounds and um something about a woman being bondaged up and the guy's distracted with the game boy um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. She's, in, she's in like the, the sexy lingerie isn't she yeah, yeah. and and sega did it so they were doing it back and forth at each other um i just don't know if that i don't know if you really see that kind of advertising being used these days i remember um for the uk the big thing was like the cyber razor cut and you know like the the, the real it, it had a very british feel i feel like the the uk marketing if you look at the adverts i mean obviously you had those viz advertisements in magazines but if you actually look at the advert the adverts that were on the telly uh, the commercials i suppose and uh they were they were so british you know that, that the cyber razor cut i mean how ridiculous is that <laughs> so ridiculous even, I love it. even the games in the 80s were even crazier like i, I remember samantha fox strip poker and it was <laughs> It was advertised in CMVG, and I'm thinking, you've got kids reading this, and here's this scantily clad Samantha Fox. I mean, Jesus, you'd be hung, drawn, and quartered these days if you did that sort of thing. Oh, don't worry, there was the letters being sent in, even in Megazone magazine. Um, mm. Before we started, I was reading some of the letters that were being sent in, and uh, one of the editors mentioned, it was before Stuart was working there as the editor, yeah. he mentioned a word, um, I can't even remember, it wasn't even a really bad word, but it was kind of, you know, bloody, I think it was. And she had she took to issue with the word bloody being printed. And I'm like, really? That's your biggest concern in life? Um, one word? <laughs> oh, the, no, the, the worst one was the Aladdin cover for Megazone. Do you remember that? Uh, do... Hang on. Uh, all right. The, the biggest never... co the biggest controversy that ha uh, uh, happened to Megazone magazine was that they printed an ad saying subscribe or the koala gets it and they had a gun to a toy koala stuffed koala's head and oh. <laughs> that copped uh, a bit of backlash that that was about the biggest controversy and then hyper magazine which is the magazine that I went on to later their very okay. first issue had virtual sex uh, being advertised on the front oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that caused a bit of an uproar. All right, so what are we looking what at? What is the issue with this picture? Can you tell me? Oh, I can yeah, see. Where is he looking? Where is it? Where is Aladdin well, looking? Where is he pointing at? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty happy. Um, <laughs> that is an um, awful, awful artist representation of Aladdin. Oh, God. And so can can you just move it down a bit? I just wanted to see yeah. which, like... It is Megazone too. It's not. It was before they did the jump to Sega Megazone. Okay. Yeah. That it's was so, after I'd left. The, the, the thing is, how would you not see that? That's got to have been put in like. Oh, it was well, deliberate. Because we used to get the magazines in the office there. Um, 
And so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good cover, and you just look into it. And then you know, within a week, the calls we got. <laughs> and then you're looking, what have I put? Like, oh my god. And so yeah. I don't have that issue. <laughs> well, there you go. It, it almost looks like the genie's having a look as well. <laughs> yeah, he's having well, a bit of a peek. Everyone's looking at. Oh, what, 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 what did I miss? Did I miss anything? Okay. Oh, no, we were just talking about lewd, lewd advertising campaigns that were happening across the pond um, yes. that probably wouldn't have gone far in America, I don't think. <laughs> well, you know, well, the important thing about advertising is it has to really go and, and match the culture of the, of the particular area that it's going to be. You know, the, what, what was also interesting about Sonic 2 um, we went to, uh, I had a joint meeting with Sega Europe and Sega Japan, where we all went and presented what we were going to go and do to support Sonic Tuesday and what artwork we were going to go and create and all of the things. And it, it was the first time we ever went and, and did that. And it was all of our stuff. We can use anything that anybody else is pre uh, preparing or not and it was our choice and so therefore things that would work in the u.s that were coming from europe we took things that were and and back and forth uh and and so you know that was an important thing but yeah you, you're right there are you know uh, commercials that just wouldn't work uh you know from japan or or the uk um uh, in the u.s uh and vice versa I only laugh at the Japanese comment because some of the ca campaigns that come out from there, although they, they strike a chord with me, <laughs> most of the public would just be like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it's, it's interesting. So uh, I do have some questions from the internet. I did have some questions on my own, but I thought you guys pretty much touched on what I was going to ask anyway. Yeah. So uh, we'll just move to the Twitter questions that I've got here. Um, <laughs> One of them is, if Al was to be offered a job to come back to Sega, would you take the job, um, Al? <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> that was the answer I was expecting. <laughs> you know, well, first of all, uh, if I was to go back to Sega, uh, I'd want the entire old team because it wasn't me, it wasn't Tom, it wasn't Diane, it wasn't Madeline, it wasn't uh, Dave, you know, it was, we were a team and that's what enabled us to go and do that. And we would all, we all went and said that it's the best job we ever had. Um, oh, wow. And, we, and awesome. we'd work together with each other in an instant. Uh, so that would be there. Uh, Sega of America just announced two days ago, I guess, uh, a new CEO. Um, yes, I saw that. Ian Cullen. And I wish him all the best of luck. Mm. He's former former THQ and former, uh, is it Activision or no? That was some, no. Acclaim. Acclaim, I knew it was A, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so I do have another question. This one's aimed at you, DJ Slope. Uh, <laughs> So, for those that don't know, DJ Slope is a big YouTuber. Well, he's getting bigger. <laughs> um, and yes. this is a question in relation to your YouTube channel. What keeps okay. you going when you have days when you can't be asked making videos or doing content? What is it that just keeps you pushing when you're feeling a little down? 
It, it got asked of me when I went to a con recently, like, how do I get these big videos out every week? And I, I don't know. I, I generally don't know. Um, this, this weekend's video isn't finished, and tomorrow we're on our yearly family um, rounders game that we always do, so I can't do any editing tomorrow. It just, it's gonna get done. It's gonna get done. A lot of me tearing up where I'm just so, so crying, where I'm so uh, tired all the time. I just work throughout the night to get them finished, and I haven't got an answer. Uh, I, I just keep going. I don't stop, and I, and I love doing it. You know, I love I love yeah, researching absolutely. classic stuff. I love researching all that sort of thing. You know? um, yeah. This is a question for Al. Uh, did you ever own a Nintendo console while working for <laughs> Sega? <laughs> uh, Sega owned Nintendo consoles, uh, so you know we had all of them that's there. Uh, I personally did not. <laughs> so the answer is no. I, I'll, I'll let you, you in on a little secret. <laughs> while, while working, and Tim, I think you can back me up on this, while working at the hotline, I was playing Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo while taking calls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. uh, that's I, probably I, why I... you left before me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the truth. <laughs> no, that's not the truth. Surely, that, that, surely that's uh, you need to be getting a warning or something for that, don't you? The, the CEO don't would walk past. Long <laughs> the CEO would walk past. He saw it. Nothing was said. Didn't care. So, so I don't know. <laughs> you gotta understand the enemy. <laughs> that was that was what was I was gonna answer <laughs> if they ever got approached. Um, I've got a question, another one for Al. They're asking, uh, do you still keep in contact with Paul Ruse? And Paul Rio. Rio. I'm sorry, the pronunciation's butchered there. Um, and well, he's asking, what did you think of the console wars? Well, obviously you do think about it because you've got the book there with you. <laughs> you mean this? Yeah, but you mean this one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've got to read it. I still haven't read it. <laughs> why, why haven't you read it? Or I listen to it on Audible. Because I lived it. I was living it. <laughs> well, but this talks about Sega of America. So okay. the, the details there. But And, and it's available in Russian, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, Japanese. I think it's coming out in French. Is it on Kindle? Uh, is, it on, is it on what? Kindle. Uh, yes, it is. It's available <laughs> on Kindle. It's available in the store. Uh, absolutely. Go, go get it. And, uh, you know, and do that and, uh, you know, learn about the great times. We love console wars, uh, yeah. those of us. You know, it, it's a good, um, you get the feeling for what life was like at Sega of America during those times. Uh, mm -hmm. and, we, and we think it's a good uh, reference. Um, how we act is, is is very similar. People feel that the voices is is the same, um, and so you show see how crazy we are, um, and and so that was there. Uh, Paul Rio, yes, I keep in touch with uh, you know Paul and you know all of us who were on the senior staff at it. Uh, we email and text each other regularly. Uh, we talk on the phone, have lunch together with different uh, members. Yeah, as I said, it's 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 this wonderful group. 
and, and we're great friends. And we would work together in an instant if, if something was there. So th th we've got oh, a. I was um, supported by the old group. Well, you just want us back at Sega, though, was Yes! <laughs> no, yes. That's, that's what you Sonic. support, okay? Promoting Sonic games again. We've got, another yes. one of these, we've got another one of these gun to the head questions. Uh, gun to the head, <laughs> yes or no? Did Michael Jackson compose the music for Sonic 3? I will not answer that question. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And he did. He, he did. just did. Um, and what was your favorite non-Sega-related console? My favorite non-Sega related console? Mm-hmm. You know, of the time. Of the time. Well, you know, it's it's um I, I love the Atari VCS because, you know, it, it really took the world by storm uh, for console gaming. Uh, but then I also love Intellivision because I went to work for them. Uh, so it, I, I'd probably say the Intellivision um, more than the VCS. And our, our, you are so stubborn right to the end that you would not admit that you actually had a bit of an inkling towards the Super Nintendo <laughs> during all this time. The, the, the what? The Super Nintendo. The, the what? The what? <laughs> the what? <laughs> you know, no, it, that is cool. It, it, no, it's you know, if you if you read console words, it's. It talks about when we got the first Super Famicom air freighted from Japan, uh, and I took it home and played it. And you know, read Console Wars, and and you'll find out what I thought. I will uh, have to read that. <laughs> it, 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 this is this is this is what I do. Uh, to, you know, make did you um, did you have much? Did you have um, did you ever play much on the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics 16? No. No, no. Um, well, see, that was the interesting thing. Everyone said, you know, um, are you crazy? To, are you crazy to go and take a job with Sega because you're going to Nintendo? There was this other new system that was coming out, which was the Turbo Graphics, mm. and they were coming out on the same timeline as us. And you know, I, I remember the first time, and I guess it was April of '89. We did an offsite at a golf resort um, down in Monterey, Pebble Beach, and we brought in the buyers from uh, a lot of the major retailers. And one retailer went and said, you know, I, I like what you guys are doing, but you know that NEC is going to eat your lunch. Um, <laughs> and, you know. Do you remember who, um, what buyer that was? Oh, I know exactly who that buyer was <laughs> and, and, and said, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the stuff, uh, but I'm going to return everything on December 25th because NEC is going to do this and he's going to eat your lunch. Look at this beautiful brochure that they have. Look at this video that they have. I'm going, that's how you're deciding, you know, what's there. And, and our head of sales, Dave Rhodes, went and said, but you are going to carry us, aren't you? And the buyer one said, yeah, but I am going to return it all on December 26th. Oh, that's fine with us. And, mm -hmm. you know, guess who got returned on December 26th? <laughs> and, you know, we ended up with, you know, we had a, um, you know, close to 80% market share versus NEC. Uh, and we had, to get we had to get them out of the way before we could tackle Nintendo. 
Um, and that's that's the thing that everybody forgets. So they weren't just anything. They weren't just a minor uh, distraction. They they for a, a moment there looked like they could could have been a bigger player. Oh, I don't believe that at all. But no? then I was I was at Sega. Uh, you know, we thought that we believed in what we were doing, and I think they were more worried about us because every time I would announce something, two days later they'd announce the same thing. <laughs> we're going to be doing a mall tour. We're doing a mall tour. And, you know, we're launching December, August 15th. We're launching August 15th. And, and so they were very much following what we were doing. And we were just, we just had a great plan. And, you know, ex our goal was just to execute it brilliantly. Uh, and because we didn't have time. We were such a small organization back then that we didn't have time to think about anybody else. Uh, we just believed in the plan that we had. Mm. All right. Um, yeah. I'm going to wrap things up. We have been going for quite some time now. Um, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, did anyone have any last questions that they wanted to get in before we well, do? Well, um, when I am... Um, oh, everyone, everyone does. Everyone does. One, one, person, one person wanted me to wear either a Pikachu hat or a Sonic hat. A top loader. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> So there's my Sonic hat. Um, uh, oh, I love that hat. I got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and please follow me on Twitter if, if you're doing it at Alan Olson, A-L-N-I-L-S-E-N. And, and read Console Wars. And what other questions do you have for me? I'm happy to answer questions while you're here. Um, I remember when I looked up, um, uh, you know, I'm going on a podcast with Alan Olson, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I already knew who you were, but I did a little search. And then in the Google images, I'm in the... Second or third line down, there's a picture of you right next to Michael Jackson. Oh, yes. That was an awesome picture. Oh, well, you know, working with Michael was one of the most amazing things. I was Sega's liaison between Michael and wow. uh, Sega. Wow, wow, wow. And so I would always go and be meeting with him. And I got to stay at the Neverland Ranch. Yeah, And that was wonderful. And, and you know, going to, to you know, studios uh, where he was, I guess he was doing the uh, uh, Dangerous. Dangerous album at the time. And so I got to be at the studios that was there. And Gee. the picture, and the picture like, with Michael. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. And, and it, was, it was just wonderful. And, and, you know, I think we, I can say we became friends. Um, and because I, Mike, the number one thing I said was, I'm not going to go on ask him about his music or anything like that because everybody does that and i don't want to be that guy and so let's talk about anything else and, and he loved talking about video games and he loved talking about, about the toy industry um and so you know it, it was just a wonderful time and what we would always do is you know i needed to approve advertising or approve you know game builds and things like that so we'd get that done and then we just go and sit and talk for a couple of hours. Wow. Uh, and and that, that was, you know, one of the most amazing experiences in my life. Uh, and wow. that and that photo of Michael is from the very first day that I met him. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And did you ever, did you ever like play up some games? Was there ever like some uh, two-player Sonic 2 going on with you and Michael Jackson? <laughs> uh, no, we, we didn't go and do that. Um, 
the the game what i would do is i'd come in and i bring the latest bill and so i would play the game to show him what the changes were whether it was the changes in the music the changes in the level and and he was That's somebody he was on Moonwalker, and he was both Moonwalker the arcade game, and Moonwalker the um, home Genesis. game. Genesis, yeah. And if you search my Twitter feed, and I'll probably do that, um, you know, I can you'll see some of the original storyboards I have uh, huh, from wow. from the Moonwalker arcade game. Uh, so another reason to follow me on Twitter. Uh, I got a, I got a quick question um, because I have watched. Uh, DJ Slope's history of Michael Jackson. I think that was a yeah. 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 And there was one it. one thing that you brought up in that video was that uh, I bet you he said that the Master System version um, Michael Jackson wouldn't even be aware of that even existing. Would that be true? I think it was the home computer version. No, the, the Master uh, System. I specific. No, specifically remember you mentioning it was the Master System. Oh, okay, okay. Would he would he've even known that that was a thing? Um, Al? I think he, uh, 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 you're making me think here, okay? You're, <laughs> you're talking back to 1990. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, that's 28 years ago. Uh, I'm old. My mind's going. Uh, no. Um, you know, Michael knew about, I'm sure he knew about it. Uh, and... Um, yeah, because he would have, yeah, he had to approve it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he definitely knew about it. Okay. No, because the only reason why uh, I asked that is because, yeah, I was watching that video, and it is an awesome video if you haven't uh, watched the complete history of Michael Jackson uh, mm -hmm. in video games. Um, but I was just that little point, and I was like, oh, I wonder if he did know. He had to have known. He couldn't just get a game out there and him not know. But Michael Jackson's world was just such a different place to what you and I and everyone else around us uh, would be going through. There would be stuff going on with Michael Jackson having to approve this and that. That He would just be perhaps eventually losing um, focus on what he was approving. I'm not sure. No, 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 no. Michael, Michael was a perfectionist. And okay. Michael would go and, and say, you know, here's what I want. And, you know, going down to here's what I want in the music. And here's how I want the, the difference in the music to be done. Um, and or here's things instead of having this move, I want this move that to be in there. And so he was he was very much involved in um you know the development of it and, and and you know i told him if the music thing doesn't work out for him i'd be happy to hire him as a producer. <laughs> um, and uh but somehow the music thing took off so yeah uh, funny never that. Got to say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> well I'm, I'm i'm struggling i'm trying to quickly look up now and i can't remember what it's called and it's actually something that i missed out on my michael jackson video uh, game video but there was a michael jackson i believe I, I may be wrong but i believe it was a sega collaboration um, that the, it was basically in in was it the SG one um, sort of ride? Yes, yes, the, it mean? was in it was in Sega World of of Australia, where he actually was the pilot. It only lasted like a, yeah, he was the pilot or something. He it only lasted a very short amount of time. There is some uh, on screen, you know, handy cam footage yeah. found on yeah. YouTube. No, that, that is that was a thing. That, that is confirmed. Uh, yeah, I after my time. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. 
But I, I've been my uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I've been caught up in the whole Sega World history because we found the statues <laughs> for Sonic and Sally abandoned in a junkyard. I'm in negotiations with um, the owner yeah, of that junkyard. It's not going. The guy is just so difficult to deal with. It's just, uh, yeah, he wants he wants some um, antique, vintage, antique uh, automotive sort of memorabilia. So, oh. and and anytime I offer him anything, he's five minutes later with a reply saying, um, "Nah, replica, replica." And in the meantime, these statues sit abandoned in the uh, in the open. But the reason why I'm mentioning that is that um, because I'm I'm so caught up in this, the history of Sega World, which I only went to once, um, but I've got a lot of people I've got a lot of people sending me in um, uh, photos of when they were there. I'm still getting people sending in photos of Sonic statue when it was in its prime. And one person mentioned that their experience with going to the ride, and they said that um, it was weird seeing Michael Jackson be, being a pilot in this ride. So it's a very specific memory for for some people. When I say weird, it was just unexpected is what I meant by that. It, it just, sure, sure. It's like, oh, my God, it's Michael. <laughs> he's he's going to be our Michael, pilot. Michael, Michael loves Sega. He, you know, he, he just loves Sega. He loved going to Sega Japan. And hanging out in their own R&D group, he would come to Sega of America and go and see what we were doing in it. Um, yeah, he, he was just a major Sega fan. And there's a lot of photos to back always, that up. <laughs> one thing that's always played on my mind is, and I know you, you're probably not going to answer this, Al, but the whole Michael Jackson Sonic 3 thing, the, um, the, the, the biggest... The biggest rumor, the reason why it didn't go ahead was because Michael Jackson wasn't happy with the sound of the Mega Drive in Sonic 3 uh, or Sonic & Knuckles. Now, my issue with that is the fact that he obviously would have uh, agree, uh, um, agreed on the Moonwalker game for the Mega Drive, and that was his own music. It should, it should obviously be a lot more attached to his own personal songs. So what, what was Michael Jackson's uh, response to how the Mega Drive sounded on that original Moonwalker game? Uh, and the arcade what? version. Mike liked the sound. He he spent a lot of time working on the sound, and and you know he would give me detailed notes on u- utilizing a lot of music production terms that I had no idea what they meant, <laughs> and which was really interesting. Wow. And I have to go and explain this to Japan, and he says, just write down exactly what I'm saying. Okay? <laughs> they will understand. This is this is musician talk, I guess. And they will understand and that's there. And so I would go and do that and you know send a fax over to Sega Japan and a few weeks later we'd we'd get another build. I'd go see Michael and it's like, yep, that's what I wanted. Wow. Uh, so you know he was uh, I think he, he understood the limitations of of what Genesis could go and do, mm-hmm. uh, though he kept pushing for us to be able to do that, and also on what the arcade game could go and do. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I'm sure Michael would have loved if, you know, it had CD quality and everything like that, but he he was um, happy. Fair enough, fair enough. He, appro- he approved it. 
Sorry, Al. What was your initial reaction when you saw that Sonic and Mario were going to finally star in a game together and it was a racing game? <laughs> like a running racing game. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Sonic at the Olympic and Mario and Sonic. Oh, I, 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 no, I, I, I understand that. Um, there, there were a lot of strange uh, feelings <laughs> for the sake of America Group. Uh, but then, as as you know, you know, how can anybody beat Sonic when it comes to racing? You know, especially when you're uh, a plumber. Fact like that. He was a, he was a <laughs> plumber at that time. Well, you know, the troll boat built a well. No, he's not. No, they, they, they reverted back. Again. They reverted back that he is still a plumber. So. Oh, he is a plumber. Okay. He is a plumber. Again. Yeah, again. Okay. It was he's only for a I don't keep up on Mario. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so please forgive me for that that slight to his occupation. Uh, <laughs> all right. So it's it's very exciting, but you know it's um, yeah it, it's a very strange thing to see the two together. Good. Finally, Mario and Sonic together in a game, and they put them in a running game. It was like, the, what? It's like putting them in a plumbing competition. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would you ever do that? The one thing well, Sonic can absolutely obliterate everybody in the world at, then they put him against Mario, this fat little plumber. You know, <laughs> it doesn't uh, make sense. You know, I, I, it, it's it's very strange for us, but. Um, <laughs> I think the moment for me was when uh, I saw licensed by Nintendo and then the Sega logo come up. That yes. just made me feel yes. gutted. I, I was working uh, in a totally unrelated job at the time and I heard the news um, about Sega discontinuing, discontinuing consoles and it just, I was gutted and, and still am to this day. Um, yeah. I mean, Sega yeah. are making, in the last year or so, they have made uh, some great inroads to rebuilding their brand recognition and and just making some better decisions, I feel, personally. Um, but, but just, yes, Sonic Mania's kind of helped, helped with that. And Everybody hold up their Sonic Mania. <laughs> oh, it's back there. Oh, no, no, I've got this one, actually. Here we go, I'll do this one. 
Um, yeah, that that was really painful because basically a lot of my friends, um, I, I I I I got new friends after I left school, and all of those ki- all of those guys were Nintendo kids back in the day, and so it was always Sega versus Nintendo, my my Dreamcast versus their. <laughs> I don't know, what was it, the N64, I suppose, at the time, yeah. GameCube best. And um, I remember uh, uh, when, when I got, what game was it? It was Sonic, it was a demo for Sonic Heroes for the X, no, no, for the, for the, for the GameCube. And uh, I put it in, I think it was just a, a DVD video, actually, but it played and it came up and I just saw the Sega logo. <laughs> and it went Nintendo, and I was like, oh. I could imagine your mates just staring over at you. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, the I, I burn, the burn. Sitting on the end of the bed because I was the big Sonic fan. I was just sitting on the end of the bed in my mate's bedroom, and all my other friends are in like this, this sort of like this little sort of like wedding line down here, and every single one of their heads just like turned around. At me. <laughs> Ooh, well, I don't. I don't have any of those games. Uh, I don't know why. It's there. Yeah, it, I, I think most of you know. Once again, the the, the old SOA stuff. I don't think any of us uh, own any of those systems. I'm pretty sure about that. We're um, forbidden from having them. No, we're not forbidden <laughs> from having them. You know, we just we just see no reason to have them because <laughs> we've got our Genesis systems and our Game Gears. Well, yeah, as I have, big, I, have little, I was probably, and Tim, you can probably uh, help me and back this up. I was uh-huh. a big Nintendo, uh, sorry, did I just say that? Out I was a big Sega head um, and I had my own fanzine before starting at uh, the hotline. Yeah, yeah and uh, mm. I was really huge into Sega. But having said that, I, I'm a gamer first. So, and I've been playing since Space Invaders, hence the name of the channel. So I don't really have, like, it, it's never stopped me from buying another competitor's console. But I do have, uh, a, I mean, if you would ask me what's my favourite company, it's always been Sega. Yeah, that's the same with me. Yeah, it's always games first. Um, there, there are there are classic Nintendo games that I didn't have back in the day, but I've now gone back to play, aka things like Super Metroid, that would be in my top 10 games of all time. Um Absolutely. But yeah, Sega are the ones that I just love learning about and the ones that I grew up with and the ones I want to know more about. And I, I and, did uh, call some burn recently. I posted up an empty um, shelf with just nothing but the brickwork behind it showing. And I said, this is my NES collection. And <laughs> and that got a bit of burn. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to buying eventually one day an NES and buying one or two games for it. But it's just never been a personally a console that excited me. Um, I respect uh, Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3, 2 not so much um, as games, but I just never, there was never anything on that system that made me go, oh geez, you know what, I've got to have that system. But from a collector's point of view, yeah, I might explore that back catalogue of um, the NES games, but I was always happy with Sega Master System and I just yeah, yeah, felt I, that. I, I would, my system is better. I always felt and that I the master like the present company. I generally did think it was a better console. And and I had the SC three thousand before it, so I just was oh, so wow. in the Sega zone, so to speak, um, that uh, oh, wow. I didn't see any need to get. Uh, the, the thing that changed me was uh, F Zero for Super Nintendo. That was a game that I looked at and went, okay, now they're doing something that has got my attention. So that was the first game that made me look at Nintendo in a different light. 
But then, but then you got to ask yourself: the best F Zero game is a game made, made by Sega. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come full circle and i always remember seeing that because you know i had all my friends like oh where's sega now dan where's sega now but i remember when sega had started putting out games on the gamecube and the original xbox you know two massive competition uh, competitive consoles the best games in those original days were sega games what was the best game or probably the one of one of the very best games on the gamecube on its launch was definitely Monkey Ball. Like, everyone went crazy. That was originally going to be a Dreamcast game, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone went out and bought Sonic Adventure DX, you know, for all its flaws. I actually really, really liked the Sonic Adventure games. And, you know, and and, and, and everyone went crazy. Look how expensive Skies of Arcadia Legends is now and stuff like that, you know, like... Um, and then you move over to Jet Set Radio Future on the Xbox and the Sega GT games and Panzer Dragoon Auto, you know? that they showed and, and Toe Jam and L3 they showed that they were still making like the, the very best games um, uh, but yeah that was all originally well, going to be on the Dreamcast well just on that point then I got one last question would a Sega yeah, Nintendo sorry. would a Sega Nintendo collaboration or takeover would that make a skin crawl uh, for me I think, <laughs> I think it would yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think how that would work I'm trying to think how that would work It'd be, it'd be sad, but it wouldn't make my skin crawl. I mean, you know, sadly, you see companies come and go, and the day is going to happen. Maybe not in our lifetime, but it's going to eventually happen to Nintendo. Somebody will take over them. I mean, Google not wants to get into in console games. lifetime. Not in our lifetime. I will go on record and say that. Nintendo got so much money in the back in the bank. They don't need buying out. They're they're fine. (laughs) I do see it though. I mean, like there there are examples, like I said, that F Zero thing, you know, uh, Nintendo to credit to Nintendo, they decided what else could we possibly do to F-Zero and they gave it to Sega who make the very best arcade racers in the world and they still have that. It was a ballsy move, yeah. And they've done it, and they generally did, and that's why there's never been another F-Zero. And Shigeru Miyamoto has been on record and actually said that they can't do better than that. Not because they can't do better than Sega, there's nothing else to explore with that franchise. That is the best game that that game could series could be. Add online multiplayer and stuff like that, there's really nothing else you could do. Um, it's more, not, courses, no more courses, more courses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, and then if you look at the other end, I know technically, who who make the Pokemon games? What are they called? Um, uh, Game uh, Freak. Game Freak, yep. Game Freak. Or the Game Pokemon Freak Company they, um, as well. They, yeah. they make the uh, that Sega game a few years ago, Tempo the Badass Elephant, and that was a fantastic game. It didn't get any kind of recognition that it deserved. Uh, and that's, again, sort of the other way around. I know Game Freak aren't 100% Nintendo, but you get my, yeah. you know. It could work. It could work. And I, I would... A little bit of me would like to see what Nintendo would do with some of Sega's classic Rice Star franchises and a few things like that. Yeah. But, stop! Um, stop! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> but that would ju- that's just, you know, the mind-boggling. Stop! You know? well, I mean, yeah, but the reason I say that now is because no one's done anything with Rice Star since that one incredible game. Yeah. I, I understand that, but stop! <laughs> <laughs> stop! All right, so, Al, uh, once again, where can we find you on Twitter? At Al Nilsen, A L N I L S E N. Okay. What about uh, you, DJ Slope? Where can we find you on Twitter and also on the YouTubes? Type type Slope's Game Room into any search engine: YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, fa- uh, Instagram, whatever. Discord, you'll find. Discord, 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 Discord. Yes, yes of yes. course. 
And Snap, are you on? No, no, not Snapchat. Instagram. Are you on that as well? Uh, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm quite new on Instagram, uh, but yeah, I am on that. All right, help him out, guys. Get, follow him up on Instagram and make that account good again. Yeah. <laughs> again, I said. Uh, Lizzie, where can we find you on Twitter and on? Are you on YouTube or no? I'm new to YouTube. I've had a few videos. Like, okay. I'm, th- I'm trying to make cosplay aprons, but, you know, based off Sonic. So I'm making those, but I'm kind of lazy making those videos. Together, but I am on. I did my own Facebook page. Uh, I just looked up Lizzie Hedgehog on Twitter. It's Lizzie L I Z Z Y underscore Silvas S I L B A S. And I am on Instagram. Just looked up Lizzie Hedgehog. But I was gonna also say if for some reason, like Nintendo bought Sega, blah blah. I, I actually ha- have fun with those. Um, I, I, I have some fan-made comics called she, "She's My Fan," and a few of them have like have like Mario always trying to win back Lizzie. He takes her on a date, or he I love those comics. In, They're in so car, awesome. Yeah. And Sonic always wins in the end. I mean, I mean, it looks like Mario's gonna get her, but you know, Sonic he, he's always gonna get Lizzie back. But, but, but no, Sonic, my Sonic, fan. Sonic is a bit of a um, how could you put it nicely? He's an he's asshole. Yeah, he's a jerk in those, he's an those comments. <laughs> he's a, well, I, well, I wanted to, to, to honor the original Sonic. You, you know, because I grew up in the 90s, you know, with the, with the old TV shows. So I'm kind of used to that, that personality of Sonic. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of wanted to keep that. Now, I'm now I've got. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Tim, I know you, I've got you here sweating bullets, thinking, oh, what am I going to promote? Because you don't do any social media. But you are on Twitter if anyone wants to hit you up. It's quite funny. Ever, ever since you put that thing on Twitter, I've had a few followers. So, um, yeah, follow yeah, him. Thanks. Follow him. I'll put, I'll put a link to the, to the account. Um, don't, be a, don't be scared of social media, social media. It has its benefits, and this is one of them. Oh, not, Things I'm like this. I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of it. Um, but, yeah, just look at me on Facebook. I've got a very... Very short. It's a short name, but a very rare name on Facebook. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, Tim Gadler. Just look at me. Look for me on Facebook. If you got any questions about the hotline, which is you know, that. Oh, um, the sticker! Know. You got the stickers! My God, I never got. Let's call a number now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I'd, I'd rather do some cross promotions. Um, yep. Uh, for some for some guys that I know. So, um, Aussie Arcade. Uh, yes. Dot com. Uh, they're a great resource for arcade games, consoles, pinballs, and all that. And as I mentioned earlier, earlier on, I, I do. Uh, they do an online uh, around the world uh, tournament playing all random arcade games. So if you like your main games, go there. Um, also, I'll promote uh, Retro Tuesdays, which is on Facebook. And it's a small group of uh, retro gamers that get together once a month. They're actually um, attending this Tuesday on the 7th of August. Um, sorry, guys, um, I won't be there because it's actually my birthday. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I've got to get drunk, you know. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Yay! Yeah. Bloody old. Well, um, hang on a sec. Yeah, so... Uh, hmm? oh. What's he doing? What's he doing? Okay. 
Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Um, yes. So I'll cross promote them. Um, yeah. yeah, this has been a blast. Yeah. And on and on that note, I'm going to call this to an end. Thanks, guys, for joining on what has been one of the most epic podcasts I've ever hosted. Uh, thanks Al and thanks DJ Slope thanks Lizzie and also thank you Tim and um, please subscribe to Sin Spaces if this is your first time here and I've got more videos coming all the time and until then my name has been Brian and I've been gaming since Spaces thanks guys Since spaces. <laughs>